Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Joining us now from The Athletic, you read all of his work, you love it, I certainly do, Zach Kiefer. Zach, um, I want to start with this. If What would surprise you more on draft night? It's 9.30, you're sitting there. Chris Ballard comes out. Would it surprise you more if he's talking about Anthony Richardson being the selection or the fact that they traded back? Oh, my gosh. If they traded back, the city would riot. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if there would be an Indianapolis for much longer. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, I, could see, I could see both things happening, Joey. Like, I could see them trading back and adding maybe a second rounder to, and then grabbing Richardson. So, it, you know, it kind of kills two birds with one stone. Okay. You get a quarterback – Still a bit of a project, a little bit of a flyer. Um, but then you also add a second-round pick because, you know, surely the quarterback position is going to get all the attention in the next couple of months. But this team's got more needs than just that. Hey, Zach, it's Brendan. New offensive coordinator Jim Bob Cooter, passing game coordinator last year with the Jaguars. And, of course, Trevor Lawrence has a breakout season. I think a lot of people attest that, of course, to Doug Peterson. But, look, Jim Bob Cooter was literally the passing game coordinator, so he's got to get some sort of credit. But the work that Trevor Lawrence put on last year, how much did that heighten, I guess, the resume of Jim Bob Cooter to get back in an offensive coordinator spot in here in Indianapolis? Yeah. Brendan, before we get going, I got your answer for you. I heard you guys a minute ago talking about uh, your 30 for 30 picks and, and Butler. The answer you're looking for is three inches. That's how close really? Gordon Hayward's shot was. Yeah, I wrote a big story about it. There you go. So we don't need sports ago. science. Yeah. You know, it, it, this is going to make it worse for you and all the Butler fans out there. But <laughs> it, it was basically three inches from going in. And if it goes in, it's probably the best basketball story ever. Maybe, ever. maybe right up there in the top, right? Um, in this city. But um, no, I heard you guys and wanted to chime that in. So close, so close. Um, so Jim Bob Cooter is an interesting hire. He was he was one of the rising stars a couple of years ago. And remember, he got his start with the Indianapolis Colts as a very, very low-level grunt offensive assistant working with Jim Caldwell and Peyton Manning. And then he was hired, you know, sort of mid-season to run the offense in Detroit under Jim Caldwell. And then, you know, he stayed for one year under Matt Patricia and then kind of leveled out, flamed out. I don't know how, to, how else to say it, but... He's not super old, but but I like this hire for a couple of reasons. He's got a lot of experience with really good quarterbacks of different skill sets, a little bit like Shane Steichen, right? He's worked with Peyton Manning late in his career, worked with Matthew Stafford, had some of his best career years with the Lions in those years, despite it being the Lions, right, the inherent Mm -hmm. obstacles of that. And then he did some really good things two years ago with Jalen Hurts in Philadelphia with Shane Steichen in this past year with Trevor Lawrence. So, Everything this, this franchise does, does the next couple of months, everything is about that quarterback. We don't know who the quarterback's going to be, but you can't just draft a guy and hope it works out. You've got to draft a guy and surround him in a situation that's going to benefit him. And so many teams have screwed this up the last couple of years. You wonder why so many first-round quarterbacks flame out. It's not just the quarterbacks. It's the situation they're put in. And the Colts need to fix some things before that's all good for this guy when he gets here the first week of May. So, I like the hire of Jim Bob Cooter. He's probably a guy that's going to be here for a couple of years, and that's essential to have that stability 
But obviously it's going to be Steichen's offense and Steichen's going to call the plays and he's going to be tapped with grooming this young quarterback. But um, I like the move. And, and again, everything's about the quarterback around here the next couple months. That's Zach Kiefer with us on the Fan Midday Show. Now, so with them bringing in, and I talked about this at the top of the show, Zach, with them bringing in not only Shane Steichen, but now Jim Bob Cooter as well, does that lend the um, gap for the can't miss in the prospect? You know what I'm saying? Does that Does that make it larger to where it isn't? as crazy if it's say uh anthony richardson or some would say even a will levis yeah i'm not ruling anything out and look for the fans out there that that want answers they're not going to get one until april 27th and we're not going to hear anything anything useful next week at the nfl combine shane steichen's going to be up there he's going to be asked a million questions about quarterback same with chris ballard they're not going to say anything i think everything is on the board i think they're you know, Shane Steichen, from what I understand, hasn't even left his office the last couple of days. He's been trying to put together a staff before the combine, which starts on Monday. And then they need to start digging into these quarterbacks. And a lot of the personnel staff already has, right? I mean, they, you know, Chris Ballard led the coaching search. And then, you know, behind the scenes, these guys are already working on the draft. They were working on it in the fall, obviously. But now February and March are when those really long days start to happen, those 12, 14-hour days. And obviously, when you have the fourth pick, it's, it's pretty easy to narrow the pool. I think Richardson's in play. I think Levis is in play. Obviously, C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. We know they're not afraid to trade up. If that happens, that could be something that happens in early March. That's when usually those moves start to happen. You want to get a quarterback – excuse me, you want to get a coach in place first. But um, I'm not ruling anything out. I mean, Anthony Richardson, you know, I haven't dug into the tape a lot, but like – the physical traits are real, and the, and the quarterback position is changing. And one thing I'll add is this is something Jim Irsay's told me in the recent past and then something he mentioned last week. The allure of a running quarterback is very real for this franchise. You saw what Matt Ryan and Nick Foles suffered through last year, um, all those sacks, all those fumbles. Where the league is going is, is that Mahomes-Hurts-type runner and Ursay sees it as having a 12-on-11 advantage, and that's exactly what he said last week when he was talking about that Jalen Hurts scramble that beat the Colts against the Eagles in November. When you have a runner who's a quarterback, that's essentially like having a, an extra man on the field because you have an extra blocker. So um, I think there's going to be a very interesting debate within 56th Street about where this team's going to go and where the league is going to go and what type of skills you want in that quarterback. So – you know, Levis has the huge arm. Richardson's a great physical prospect. C.J. Stroud is kind of a mix of both. Bryce Young might be the best of all of them, but he's a little small, and that's going to be a debate they're going to have to have. So there's no slam dunk, and that's going to be the interesting part. But I wouldn't believe all the rumors you hear the next couple of months. Nothing really matters until they pull the trigger in April. Zach, could you actually envision this front office trading up in this draft, specifically oh, yeah. to number one? Yeah, I could see it. You know, and if they do, if they do, Brendan, you know who's probably behind that? Yes, it's probably the owner. Yes, it's the owner who's, you know, is dog tired of this rent a QB cycle, and I think the fans are too. I think they're they're tired of, of of grabbing another quarterback off of someone else's scrap heap, and and the veteran route is not working out. You can't just go get another thirty five year old and convince yourself he's got a couple years left. I mean, they're gonna. They're going to have to eat $18 million to cut Matt Ryan before March 17th because they moved some money back from his contract last year to this year. And you're, the reason you're going to do that is is he can't play anymore. And two, 
um, you thought this was going to be a two-year marriage, and you were wrong. So you're going to have to eat about $18 million. But I just don't see a scenario where Matt Ryan's a bridge quarterback making $35 million a year. So in the meantime, you're going to have to go sign a bridge quarterback, let's just say Gardner Minshew or somebody like that, to sort of give you a little bit of stability while this rookie gets up to speed. Because I don't necessarily think this rookie is going to be a guy from day one like the past two rookie quarterbacks this team's had and Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning. So, you know, that's what this team needs to work through. They're going to have to pay for some of the mistakes of the last couple of years. But to answer your question, they absolutely will move up if they feel like they need to because of who's sitting at number two, Houston Texans, who are also looking for a quarterback. Zach Kiefer joins us on the Fan Midday Show. Zach, you're just about as plugged in, if not more plugged in than anybody over there in the Colts complex. I got to know what you think the conversation was, how it went between Chris Ballard and Jim Irsay after Mr. Irsay dropped the, I like that Alabama kid, I'll tell you. When they leave the press conference and they're in the hallway or they go break it down in in, in someone's office, how do you think that conversation went? Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Well, I don't think Ballard can necessarily say anything because, um, <laughs> one, I think he's happy to have his job right now after the way they True. finished, 4-12-1, and one, and... And, hey, when you're a billionaire and you write the checks, you can say whatever you want. I don't think comments like that necessarily help the Colts' draft position in terms of um, sort of what they're strategizing right now. But, look, this is not the first time the owners kind of said something that the coach of the GM wasn't a huge fan of. I know for a fact that in the past when Ursay would talk up the importance of winning week one, Frank Reich was like, hey, just like dumb it down a little bit. Like, hey, it'd just be nice if we didn't have all this extra pressure heading into week one. But, hey, I mean, Jim Irsay is going to have a say in this decision. He doesn't have a huge say in a lot of draft decisions. Usually leaves that up to his GM. This is an exception. This is the quarterback spot. Um, He's going to have a say in this one. And I could see him sitting back there in the back of the room with his suit piping up and everybody going silent and him saying, go get him, Chris. And I could see them moving up to go get whoever that is. Um, But it's going to be fascinating because – Ballard can't get this wrong. Like, this is this is the future of this franchise, and this is the decision that will define whether he stays or goes. Does that play into with, with the kind of awkwardness that we're at right now with Chris Ballard and, and how, you know, well, some people say he, he shouldn't be here. Well, he still is here. And now looking at these quarterback prospects, now does that throw out that, well, we can't have a guy that, that you know, has to have a little bit of a process in development. we got to get a guy that's ready now so I can prove, yeah, I should be here for even longer. You know what I mean? Like uh, now we have all these aspects happening to where it's like, okay, well, if he traditionally was just going about it, who he thinks should be the pick, maybe that's not the case because uh, I mean, uh, to be honest, he, some could say that he's lucky to still have a job. Yeah. That's, that's the interesting dynamic here is, is it doesn't matter if you think he should have a job or not, he's got the job and he's going to make this pick. And I think Jim Irsay should let his GM make this pick. That's the only way this is going to work out, if, if it does work out. But you're right, they've sort of boxed themselves in, and it's not ideal because they, they kind of have to take a quarterback this year, and they have to take one regardless of if they really, really love one of these guys because they've swung and missed on so many of these guys. Really, the reason they're in this spot is because they swung and missed on Carson Wentz. He was supposed to be here 
for three or four years. You know, he wasn't that old, and we know how that went. That ended very quickly, and they're sort of playing catch-up from that. And, and the reality is for Ballard, you can't take a guy simply because you think he's going to be ready earlier than the others. You've got to take the guy that's going to be here for 10 or 12 years. Like, that's what this team needs, and that's going to make every – if you hit on this guy – you know, that's going to make every single decision you make for the next couple of years a little bit easier, a little bit easier. And if you hit on him again, he's going to be on a rookie contract, which is going to allow you to do some things salary cap wise to help him, which is really what you got to do. You're going to have to pay JT. You're going to have to probably pay Michael Pittman, depending on what he wants. Um, but those are moves you want to make to make the, the life of your rookie quarterback a little bit easier. But this is the fascinating part is, is, is the last two times this team was at the top of the draft. It was a no-brainer. I mean, I mean, it was. I mean, you can debate all you want, Ryan Lee's RG three, but this team was taking Peyton Manning and they were taking Andrew Luck. This is completely different. None of these quarterbacks are a slam dunk. They all have flaws. The, the fan base seems completely like they can make an, a Will Levis argument. They can make a, a CJ Stroud argument. There's a Richardson argument out there. I'd like to do a man on the streets up. where you go, yeah, at, at, the, <laughs> at the combine and you ask anybody in a Colts shirt, jersey, hat. Who you want the pick to be, I guarantee if you ask 10 people, at least eight of them would be different. Yeah, and, and they would be convinced that they have the right one. Right. They would be convinced, and that's the fun thing. They don't know how this is going to go. Ballard doesn't know how this is going to go. Nobody can really know until this guy gets into the fire. And really, you don't really know if a quarterback's for real until it gets bad, right, until it goes wrong, because it's going to go wrong in the NFL. How does he handle that? And that's the interesting part, because – Look, they're going to sit down with these guys for 15 minutes next week at the Combine, sort of this rotating thing, and how much can you learn about maybe the future of your franchise in 15 minutes? It's really the pro days, and it's the long, hour-long interviews that they're going to get on site in the coming months that will tell them more. But, you know, this is, this is, that's the art of it. And I've asked Ballard this before. You know, everybody can watch the tape, but how do you know he's a guy? He's a real guy. And, and that's sort of the art of it. And that's going to be the fun part because, like, this is the decision that's going to define his tenure, like I just mentioned. Zach, the conversation that Joey and I were having to open the show, though, at least what I said, was it, it doesn't matter who you pick if the offensive line's going to continue regressing, especially if it regresses as it did last year. So my question to you is, is the offensive line fixable with a new coach? Yeah, I think so. No, that's a totally legit point, and, and, and it's one I've made. Like, it doesn't matter who you draft. If you can't block for him, this is going to be a disaster again. Now, I certainly think there's some appeal to a guy who can run, like C.J. Stroud. It certainly doesn't hurt that the last game he played in college was his best game against the best team in the country, and he showed some wheels in that game that's going to change things. And, and you guys saw this from Hurts in the Super Bowl as well. It just changes the entire game when the guy can run. And I thought Carson Wentz didn't get quite enough credit in 2021 for the way he avoided sacks and avoided pressure. Now, Carson made things a lot harder than they needed to be by holding onto the ball. But you could start to see the regression then. And then last year, it all fell apart with 60 sacks. And there was no real chance for any quarterback to play behind that line last year. So I think it's fixable. They need to get this higher right. They absolutely need to get that higher right. And you can certainly scheme for the quarterback and the line um, in a better way than the Colts did last year. I mean, the biggest mistake they made last offseason, I don't think it was Matt Ryan. I think it was Matt Pryor to believe a guy who openly said he was more comfortable at guard, to put him at left tackle to protect for a 37-year-old immobile quarterback. That's just 
that's just bad football. That's just begging for, for a disaster. And the disaster happened right away. So um, you think you got a guy in Bernard Ryman at left tackle? We're going to see. But I wouldn't mind a good signing at right guard to beef up that interior to help Braden Smith. I think it's fixable. I think these guys need to play better. But um, I wouldn't be stunned if, if there's a new a couple moves along that front that, that change things up a little bit. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic joins us on the Fan Midday Show. Uh, Zach, there's a lot of kind of talk going on around the internet, around the football world that, um, you know, Chris Ballard, you know, he has a history where everybody that's been in his tenure um, with, with Indianapolis, all the quarterbacks been big, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, type of guys. You know, he likes the big, physical type of quarterback. Uh, is that true? Would he be willing to bend for somebody like Bryce Young? Who We had Daniel Jeremiah on from NFL Network yesterday, and, and he said the height doesn't concern him. It's the weight. Would Chris Ballard you know, been to a, a smaller quarterback, or is he really kind of against a guy that is the size of Bryce Young? I certainly think he doesn't prefer it. I certainly think he would be against the idea of that, not sold completely against it. But you'd have to talk him out of it, I think. And you go back to Kenny Moore, like Ballard had a hard rule, and it came from his days in Kansas City. I, I don't sign, I don't add any cornerbacks that are 5'10 or less. And Kenny's 5'9", and, and he's got long arms, and that helps. But like Ballard was like, no, we're not signing this guy. And it took a scout named Kevin Rogers to push him at like midnight of, of cutdown day to be like, you just turn on the tape, just watch this guy. And Kenny, for you know whatever happened this past season, Kenny was one of Ballard's best signings back in 2018, became a pro bowler and, and one of the best slot corners in the league under Matt Eberflus. So Ballard can be very stubborn, and, and we've learned that in free agency. He definitely has a type, right? Like, he has a type of corner he wants. He has a type of receiver that he wants. He wants a receiver that's 6'2", 6'3", yep. like Michael Pittman, Traits. like Alec Pierce. And he's got a type at tight end, too, because those guys are enormous skyscraper-type guys in, in Ogletree and Woods and even Moelle Cox. So that's going to be fascinating because if Young is that much better at the position, how much of a concern is his weight and his height? I think his height's a concern. Absolutely. Look how many balls those guys get batted down. The offensive and defensive lines are so much taller in this league. And, and obviously the durability, right, with the weight. Like, these guys are going to take shots, especially like Brendan just mentioned, behind an offensive line that gave up 60 freaking sacks last year. Um, so that's a very real thing. And, and you need guys who can hold up. I mean, Lamar Jackson's as good of a runner at the position as we've seen in the last decade. He finished the last two seasons on injured list because he can't stay on the field and and that's a real thing like as good as these guys are at avoiding hits in this league they're going to come and this city and this franchise has learned the hard way what happens if you don't protect a young franchise quarterback so that's a real discussion they need to have and, and Ballard certainly has a type and I think it would take a lot to talk him out of that type. Zach question from the YouTube chat chiming in they ask if you think Reggie Wayne stays on as wide receiver coach. Yeah, haven't gotten official word, but my sense is he's going to stay. Um, that's not a done deal. The Colts are obviously working furiously right now to get a coaching staff in place before the combine. But um, my gut feel is that Reggie wants to stay. I don't know if he has much of a relationship or any relationship at all with Shane Steichen, um, but my gut tells me he wants to be back. He signed a two-year deal to come here, obviously to coach under Frank Reich. Um, but Reggie really likes his guys. He really likes Pitt. He really likes Alex Pierce. They want him to come back. Um, it, it makes sense on a lot of sides. And I thought Reggie did a pretty good job. Of all the issues this team had last year, 
I didn't think receiver was at the top of the list, but waiting on an official word on that. But they did make a really good hire with Tom Manning to come back and coach the tight ends. He's a really, really sharp coach. I got to go back to what you're saying about Chris Ballard with his stubbornness, uh, you know, about the size of a guy like Bryce Young. Now, something that we've also heard about Will Levis is that he isn't uh, very instinctive. He takes a ton of shots, just doesn't really have a lot of pocket awareness. That's coming from a guy like Daniel Jeremiah who told us. Now, when you look at the two, is Chris Ballard going to value more just straight up the brute physicality size of Will Levis, even though Bryce Young, while not being that same size, has way more and shown more of an ability to keep his eyes downfield, move around in the pocket, have that presence? That's such an interesting question because what do you value more and what is harder to teach, right? So can you teach instincts? Can you teach that ability to just see something before it happens? Like, a lot of teams have missed on big picks because of that very thing. But also, you can't teach Will Levis' size, right? I mean, I was talking to someone in the league a couple of weeks ago, and, and they mentioned he, he plays and looks like Andrew Luck. Now, he's not an Andrew Luck prospect. I mean, Will Levis struggled last season at Kentucky and, and didn't light it up. And, and there were some things happening around him, some coaching changes, but he didn't elevate the program in a way you kind of hope a future face of your franchise would. So... You know, the, the biggest gamble is, is, and I think a lot of teams are going to miss in the next couple of years on quarterbacks because of the likes of, of Josh Allen and because of the likes of Patrick Mahomes. They're going to convince themselves they can draft a guy who doesn't have great accuracy, like Josh Allen at Wyoming, wasn't a great accurate passer, and wasn't in the first couple of years in the NFL. And then he made a jump. That's a very rare jump to see a guy really improve in accuracy. Obviously, Allen has all the physical attributes you need, but I think you're going to see teams take some swings on guys like a Will Levis that may or may not improve in that accuracy department. And you ask any coach in the league, you know, what are the most important things? It's, it's the ability to process down the field, and it's that deep downfield accuracy. That's stuff that's really hard to teach. If Bryce Young has that, do you overlook his size? Or since Will Levis has that size, do you overlook his instincts? And obviously coaching plays a big part of this, and, and that's going to be the thing that's going to take a couple of years. But – you know, that's the fascinating part because when they make their decision, you know, does C.J. Stroud sort of split the middle? Is he enough of an accurate passer and enough of a physical specimen that you feel good? But that's going to be the fascinating part because I, I always lean towards accuracy, man. Like, if there's some physical limitations, I can probably live with them. But it's really hard to teach that 50% passer to get up to 62% or whatever it is because that, that's the separation in this league. Zach, just like we were talking about with – the process of trading up and how that's probably Ursay's call at the end of the day. If he wants it, he'll get he'll get it. Uh, but let's just say hypothetically, Ballard wants Levis, Ursay wants Young. The Colts draft Young, right? I don't necessarily think that's the case. I think I think he'll I think he'll let the GM make the decision. Now Ursay's not going to be scouting these guys. He's not going to be going to the combine. He's not going to be going to the pro days and, and then spending four hours with these guys in the interview. I think he lets, for the most part, his GM make the decision. He's always leaned against that, um, except, you know, some pretty rare circumstances. Like, they were going to draft Andrew Luck, I mean, regardless of, of what the other options were. They were going to draft Peyton Manning. Um, I, think, I think he lets Ballard take head of this. And I don't, I don't necessarily think there's going to be a big disagreement at the end after all the work they're going to do and all the people they're going to involve, I think they'll pretty much come to a consensus. I think where Ursay could come in 
is pushing some aggression, right? And that means trading up from four to one or four to two or whatever. Um, that's usually what the owner's done in the past. But it's going to be fascinating because, as Ursay mentioned last week, I think he has his eyes set on Alabama's Bryce Young. Zach Kiefer from The Athletic with us. Zach, uh, you saw you just posted today what looks like a, a pretty cool um, little, little road map for how Shane Steichen uh, began his process of becoming a head coach, went all the way back into high school. What, uh, what, what can Colts fans uh, find in that article uh, about their new head coach? Yeah, I basically just called up every high school teammate and coach I could find of Shane Steichen's. And it's a fascinating story. I mean, he was he was a toothpick in high school, tall, lanky, but he could throw it. And, and his, his teammates started to see it early. I mean, this was a guy that would skip high school parties and convince his receivers to skip them too so they could break into the stadium and throw routes against air, right? I mean, just a football addict from a young age, was trying to get out of his big brother's shadow, did that. They had a really good team. You could just feel and, and hear from these stories that this guy was a coach in the making. So um, to really figure out how he landed here right now, coaching this team at 37 years old, it really starts outside of Sacramento about 20 years ago when he was a high school quarterback who was really doubling as the team's OC. So um, a fun sort of read up about where it all started for Shane Steichen because, um, I mean, it's pretty cool that he was throwing to Austin Collie back in high school. You can find that and all of Zach's work on The Athletic. Zach, appreciate the time so much, man, and for the insight. And uh, I know we'll be talking plenty for the next couple of months here leading up to uh, the big decision in April for the Colts. Thanks, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Zach. That's Zach Kiefer. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Joining us now on the hotline is our guy, Mike Chapla, to talk all things Indianapolis Colts. Hey, Chap, let me start with this. We were talking with Zach Kiefer at the top of the 1 o'clock hour, but your thoughts on Jim Bob Cooter becoming the offensive coordinator for the Colts and what combination him and Shane Steichen will be from a play-calling perspective? Yeah, interesting. I mean, really, again, he's been – he was here, what, three years during the last three years of the Manning era as an assistant. So – he he knows at least how things are run here. Of course, it's a totally different operation now. But 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 he and he and Steichen have a short history. So yeah, we'll, we'll see how it goes. And and he's and he's been a, a coordinator before. It's, it's funny. He, he, he you start doing research and he was a coordinator where at uh, Cincinnati University of Cincinnati for like a month or whatever it was. How these guys get a job and then something better comes along. So I, I I'm encouraged. I, I try not to get too, except for the head coach, I try not to get too excited or whatever until I see who the quarterback is. I, I, I've got blinders on, and and until I know that they've got a quarterback in place that has a chance, I, I don't, you know, yes, it's great to have the right coaches in place, it is, but if you don't surround, get the right quarterback and surround him with the right with enough skilled people, it's really tough to, to succeed. But I'm encouraged, but we'll see how it goes. We've, we've always it's, – it's funny, whenever we go through these coaching cycles, you know, they'll bring in this wide receiver coach or that wide receiver coach, and, well, you know, he's really good about routes and this, that, and the other, and, and then it doesn't work. Well, last year with Reggie, it really worked, uh, the receiver room. I, I just want to see how this thing plays out. And as far as the offense goes, 
let me know who the quarterback is, and then I'll really have a better feel on how these uh, coaches are going to be. Mike Chappell joins us on the Fan Midday Show. And, Mike, that's where I want to you know get your thoughts next is right here on February 21st. You had to say, you know, Chris Ballard, Jim Mersey. You know, who is Chris Ballard leaning towards right now? Who do you think he likes out of this draft at quarterback? And who do you think Jim Mersey? I know we have the comment about Bryce Young. Who do you think he is 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 liking, and, and are they coming together on something, do you think? Well, they'll come together on it, but one thing, you just have to wonder whether whether or not you, you believe the owner or was he throwing smoke. He's been known to do both. <laughs> Generally more smoke than but, – but what's not to like about Bryce Young except for, you know, his size? Uh, but, but anyone – I tell you, one thing I've learned over the years, even going back to the Bill Pullen years, is – when some when I see something on the internet or on social media that sources tell them that Bill Pullian or, or Chris Ballard prefers this or that, it's BS. Because there's not a chance that Chris Ballard and his group is going to do their months and months and months of homework and settle on whomever that is Bryce Young or Levis or or, or Stroud whomever and and, and it leak out. We're not going to do it. It's counterproductive. But you just, again, again and there's there's so many, there's these guys all have different attributes with Bryce Young having everything except the size. I mean, strong enough arm. He can, he can move, great accuracy, great decision-making. Levis has got the prototypical, you know, physical attributes as far as the arm and all this. And Stroud's got, you know, Playing at a high level for Ohio State, and then Anthony Richardson is such a, such to me such an unknown from what I've seen. So, it, it, again, we'll see how all, all that matters. It, it doesn't matter how the Mel Kuypers and Todd McShays and everyone else has these quarterbacks, you know, analyzed and, and aligned. It's how the Colts do it, you know. And we've talked. If there's one guy they really, really believe is the guy, you move heaven and earth to, to move to number one to get him. But what, what if they think that all four of these guys are throw them in a hat and whichever one you get, you know, okay, fine. Then maybe you stay at four, which I don't think they do. If I'm Chris Ballard, I'm going to make every, every effort I can to get the guy that I want. And the only way you do that is moving to number one. Shep, does the track record, though, of Steichen being able to develop quarterbacks maybe give – Ballard and company a little bit of wiggle room in what they do because obviously they feel confident enough that this guy can develop whoever they pick so maybe they shouldn't have to feel handcuffed to get one particular guy well yeah as long as it's not a a four-year development process it's got to be a guy that that you can see can very clearly be you know a franchise type guy and I'm not talking necessarily Patrick Mahomes although that'd be nice (laughs) <laughs> but get a guy that can be that top 10, top 12 quarterback and do what needs to be done, make the plays when you need to make it, and, and make players around you better. That doesn't necessarily have to be Joe Burrow or Patrick Mahomes, but it needs to be better than what they've had here, with all due respect. So it, it, it's got it's got to be a plus, and I think that's why, as we talked before, how it was really important, I thought, to bring in a, a guy with an offensive background and a, a resume of of having worked with young quarterbacks, although Philip Rivers certainly wasn't young, <laughs> but with Justin Herbert and and Hurts, 
so, yeah, so, so whoever whoever that guy's going to be, this Steichen's going to have his hands all over him, and he's got to develop him. But it's got to be a guy in my mind that it can sort of be like Hurst, to where in that second year he sort of you found out who he really is. So, uh, but yeah, it, it, it's never a bad thing. And again, Jim Bob Cooter's worked with you know a lot of great quarterbacks. You know, they, they were we, we saw Trevor Lawrence go you know skyrocket last year. You know, yes, that was Doug Peterson's influence, of course it was, but it was also Jim Bob Cooter. So they, they've got the right people in places in place now they've got to get the right quarterback in place mike chapel joins us in the fan and i look to my left up here in the screens we have in the studio mike and they're talking about how uh, the future of lamar jackson remains uncertain is there any chance a phone call at all is made to just kick the tires boy i i assume that the way these guys work you 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 sit in the personnel rooms and you you what if everything i mean you just have to that's what you do but boy i just gosh what it would take, what at least at least two first round picks, and and, and maybe more. Although the, the 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 franchise tag is two first round picks, but you know, oh by the way, then it's going to be what two hundred and thirty two hundred forty million dollars guaranteed. Right. I given my druthers, if I could get a guy in the draft and get him on a rookie contract for four years, then the fifth year gets kind of expensive, but. You know, it's the same thing about Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I saw somebody put out there that a a, a top landing spot for Daniel Jones is Indy. I just, <laughs> oh man, I, I've not been a Daniel Jones fan. I just haven't. I, I please no, David. You know, Derek Carr. I no, we've we've done that route. Although Derek Carr would be would be the best option of all the guys that they that they've gone through the last five years. But it's time to get the young guy. It just is for all, for so many reasons. Uh, as long as as long as the guy can play, you don't you don't get a rookie just and say, well, now we got a rookie on a rookie contract. It's got to be a guy that you can build around, similar to Manning and, and Luck. Although you're not going to get that level of quarterback, but it, it, you just you know, I remember talking to Jim Irsay last year, and you know they, they went the route they went with the veterans for a reason. They did. And it didn't work out. And he said, "We've got to stop this. We've got to get the young guy, get our guy, and develop him." And that's that's really what they need to do. Chap, over to another coaching staff question. Tom Pelissero from the NFL Network saying first that the Browns requesting to interview Bubba Ventrone for their special team spot. And I know special teams kind of sometimes gets lost in translation. It's not a very sexy topic among those talking about football, but. You know, Bubba Ventrone leaves Indianapolis, and you could have had him back. How big of a loss is that? Well, to say you could have had him back, it, this might be Bubba's decision. And I don't know all the things behind the scenes, but the Colts have to give permission. Just because the team requests permission doesn't mean you're granted. He's under contract. But and I'm sure the Colts, I've been told they're trying to work things out whatever that means but given their druthers they'd keep him he, he he's one of the most valued coaches over the last five years and now whether he was a little bit irritated he didn't get the interim job i don't know but you know if, if they can work something out they'd like to keep him here but if bubba sort of says no nah, you know i really like my time here but I, I i want a chance to go somewhere else although i think the Colts again could keep him 
because he's in a contract. I'm not sure how, how how good it would be to keep someone, force a guy to stay on your staff. So if they can't come to some kind of an agreement, uh, there, there's a very good chance that Bubba leaves, and it would be a major loss to him. Mike Chappell joins us, and, and Mike, we were talking with Zach Kiefer a little bit earlier, and he was talking about how, yeah, all the all the noise is going to get to the quarterback selection. Um, but there are a lot of holes on this roster. In your mind, once that pick is made, whether it's fourth pick, first pick, where does Chris Ballard turn to next, the immediate draft need for this roster? Well, before the draft, you've got free agency. And how many of your 20 free agents are you going to keep? Mm. So it's sort of the dominoes, head coach, coordinator, uh, although the draft, again, the draft is later, and in free agency, and you got 20 of your own. And then at some point you've got, are you going to extend Michael Pittman and, and or Jonathan Taylor? But it would seem like you're going to want to decide which of your own free agents you're going to go after and which ones on the market maybe that Shane Steichen – has a history with. I, I haven't looked really at Philadelphia's free agency. Otherwise, I know they've got a bunch. So they got more significant free agents than the Colts do. But do you want to re-sign Ngakwe, uh, Bobby Okereke, EJ Speed, Chase McLaughlin? So that that would be the next step before you get to the draft. And you really need to, you know, if you if you don't re-sign Ngakwe, then who's your primary pass rusher? Is is it Quiddy Pay? You sort of see stuff from him, but not the the twelve, fourteen sack a season type of thing. So, and they've got to you, you got to keep your your receiver. You know, Paris Campbell's a free agent. What do you do with him? So, and it's funny. I've seen some things lately about where do you trade Jonathan Taylor because he's a running back. Well, I understand that, but boy, if I'm bringing in a a rookie quarterback, which they are, to get rid of key people around him, skilled people around him, Jonathan Taylor or Michael Pittman or even Paris Campbell. I don't want to handcuff my young quarterback by getting rid of top-tier talent as a Taylor. Not, not, not that they're, you know, I, I don't know how much there is to that. That's probably just social media speak. But I, I just think they need to decide how they're going to make this environment the, the best opportunity for a young quarterback to succeed Skill players, offensive line. I mean, left tackle, right guard. You've got to get that those things settled. So it's it's just there's always something else to do. And just when you think you've taken care of one thing, well, then what are we doing about this? So this is going to be a busy off season, and really a major off season, as we've said in the last three or four years, to get this franchise turned around. It's what is it? They've no playoffs in six of the last eight years. That's unacceptable. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Chap, two of the names you mentioned when you're going over the free agents were EJ Speed and Bobby Okereke. I'm as big of an Okereke fan as I think there is at least at this station, but I think it's imperative you bring him back based off what he did in the injury problems that Shaq Leonard has faced, but have they become too valuable, both Speed and Okereke, in their own right, where the Colts could afford to bring them both back? Oh, I think you bring one of them back. And I, if I were guessing, I'd say it was EJ Speed because of cost. I think he's going to cost you less. 
uh, and, and it's not to diminish Okereke at all. I remember when they, they it came time to to sign or not sign Anthony Walker, great yeah. player, high volume player, but you just you, you just can't invest that much in that position when you've got Shaq Leonard and and boy, I tell you, before I'd make a lot of moves with with my linebackers, I'd like to have some as much of an assurance as I could at this time of year on where Shaq Leonard is. You know, what are we, three months out, not quite four months out from his surgery? You know, I would hope that you've got some idea where he is physically. Is he getting all those nerves firing and and the strength back in the leg? Or, you know, are, are you as sure as you can be he's going to be back to where he was, you know, before the, before the injury? But They've done a good job of, of drafting linebackers. They really have. And you, I mean, Zaire Franklin for crying yeah. out a seventh round pick. But I, I don't know that they can afford Okereke. I think he'll find a bigger market out there, Chicago, maybe. I mean, you know, it's, it's a short drive to Chicago. And, and I think he really would like to get back with, with Iberfruz. But I can say that it's, it's, there's just a lot of moving parts i think they're like roughly 12 or 13 million under the cap which sounds okay but it's not really and you can make the cap do whatever you want you you can but you know when you can you can create another 17 million by getting rid of matt ryan which they'll probably do uh i, I think you can if, if you do something with kenny moore you can create another six or seven million dollars and and kenny's moore has been a great player here just didn't seem to be a great fit for Gus Bradley's defense. Was a great de- was a great fit with Eberfluss. So there's a lot of moving parts that they got to do, and it's kind of like you know you, you got to kind of keep your fingers on all of them, but there are priorities about when you really have to do something. So you know get this coaching staff in place, and then kind of align your free agents because Shane Steichen needs to get kind of get up to speed on who these players are. That they that they're considering signing or not signing, and you know he needs a he needs time to kind of go over things and, and evaluate on his own. But it's a busy time for the next uh, I don't know couple of months. Mike Chapel with us on the Fan Midday Show, and there's a lot of connections, like you mentioned, uh, with Chicago here. Matt Eberflus up there. Is there any chance um, that you see a world where a Shaq Leonard could be a part of a trade package to go up to get the number one pick? Oh, I, uh, him, I don't know. No, if he's going to come back and be the player he was, I'd say no, because he did make a difference. I realized the defense was pretty good last year until it just simply wore down. It didn't really get to takeaways. I mean, anything's possible. You know, I've even seen people say, well, trade, you know, put the force Buckner in there because Flus really was high on, on what he provided his defense. So, you know, anything's possible. Uh, and one thing that people need to keep in mind is the Colts aren't the only team that are going to move up to number one yep. with the Bears. I mean, Houston might want to. You know, they're at two, and they've got better draft capital to put in a package. Carolina might want to move up there. Whether or not the Bears want to move back to where's Carolina, was it six or nine, whatever it is, they might want to not move it that far back. But it's going to be expensive to go back up to one. But if you're convinced that that guy is is the guy, you know, you, you kind of do it. Because, you know, wherever this team goes in the next six to eight years, 
Well, it could well depend on who that quarterback is. Probably does depend on who that quarterback is. Yeah, and, and Chad, this is a conversation that has been had around here for a matter of months now. And what could the Colts offer for for that number one overall pick? And you know, there's not a whole lot of teams out there maybe that have the wherewithal or do-withal to be able to toss in a star player like a Buckner or a Leonard or somebody else so willingly. So uh, can the Colts kind of identify that and put together a better package than others just because they're willing to shed a player or two? Yeah, but then you need to keep in mind, too, with a, with a Buckner and a Leonard, that team that they go to has got to be able to handle their contract. Right. You know, Quentin Nelson, Quentin Nelson. You know, but you, then you've got to be able to deal – with that guy's contract, Jonathan Taylor wouldn't be a big deal because he's still on that rookie deal. But, and again, the, the, the really difficult thing that they need to decide is is the value, I guess long-term, whatever long-term in the NFL means, let's say three or four years, uh, long-term for Jonathan Taylor to Michael Pittman, a receiver and a running back. You know, do, do you view Michael Pittman as a top I don't know, twelve or fifteen receiver. You know, we've seen we've seen two teams get rid of receivers: AJ Barreno, Tennessee, and Baltimore. So, and we saw we saw Tennessee probably crying when they saw how well AJ Brown played. But you know, philosophically, do you do you believe it's 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 there's merit in investing what it takes to keep Jonathan Taylor for a three or two or three year contract after next year? Or Michael Pittman, so I, I wouldn't want to be. It's easy to speculate, but it's it's up to Ballard and Sykin and, and their their personnel people how you want to build this roster. And we've all kind of complained about the lack of uh, commitment, I guess, to receivers. Now I realize they they, they spent like three second round picks, but as far as free agents and bringing in a guy, the high end guy. They've not done that, and I understand not spending $20 million for a receiver, but they've had some opportunities to get that next-level guy that they really haven't done. Uh, and we'll see if that changes with Steichen. They, you know, Philly's been, except for this year, they've got a lot of stuff done with with, with not, not the overriding number one receiver. They really spread things out, same with the running attack. So this is just a different group that Steichen's had to work with, and I'm curious to see how all this comes together. Mike Chappell, one of the best covering the Colts and giving us all the info we need as we are on the march to April. And the Colts will be meeting all those guys, their options at the NFL Combine here soon. Chappie, appreciate the time as always. Thank you. Stay in touch, guys.